Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas. And today we have a real treat in store. We have Dr. Susan Shumsky with us. Uh, She's a leading spirituality expert, a professional speaker, sought-after media guest, new thought minister, and doctor of divinity. Uh, She's also the best-selling author of 17 books and has been practicing self-development discipline since 1967, folks, so she knows of which she speaks. Uh, Today, we'll look at her newly revised and released book, the big book of chakras and chakra healing, Um, how to unlock your seven energy centers for healing, happiness, and transformation. And I want to let you know that unlike many books on the chakras, um, which are great in their own way, uh, this one lays out the the philosophical and spiritual foundations in in great detail, uh, while at the same time... uh, is is offers accessible, I would say, accessible techniques, meditations, affirmations, and practices. Um, and I love the way that uh, Susan interprets Christianity and other world religions and integrates them into the text as well, which is always lovely. In fact, there's a couple of good unity um, affirmations in there. I, I found the prayer for protection uh, on one of the pages. So it's great. It's a great integration of both the... Uh, the Hindu-centered um, spiritualities of the chakras, but but also with a uh, Western understanding and sensibility. So it's a joy, therefore, to welcome Susan Shumsky to today's show. Welcome. Glad you're here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you today, Reverend. Well, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I know you studied with uh, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi for a while. And, and then came into New Thought and Metaphysics. So just give us a thumbnail of your journey. Well, it started way back in the 60s when I was a hippie and living in the San Francisco Bay Area. And those of us who were flower children, we were seeking altered states of consciousness. That's what we called it back then. And we were looking for nirvana And our gurus at that time were Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert, who later became Ram Dass. And uh, we were trying to get this altered state or these higher states through taking psychedelic drugs. They had written this book, The Psychedelic Experience, which was based upon the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And so I was doing this kind of exploration and I was reading 
books, uh, the Buddhist scriptures. I was reading Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. I was reading The Way of Zen and other books by Alan Watts. And those works by Alan Watts said that you have to find a meditation guide. Well, in 1966 in Berkeley, California, you didn't exactly go to the telephone directory and find meditation guide or anything remotely similar. So I asked a friend, how do I find this meditation guide? And he said, well, have you ever tried to meditate on your own? So I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I lay down on my bed. That's how clueless I was, Reverend Paul. I didn't even know that I was supposed to sit up when I meditate. Right. I my bed and sort of prayed for or asked for a meditation. And immediately I was propelled into this, this ecstatic state. I could feel this cord or rush of energy rushing from the tips of my toes all the way to the top of my head. And I felt like I was plugged into this cosmic electric socket, but in a most ecstatic way. And uh, so I figured, well, I guess this is meditation. Little did I know that I not only had had my first meditation experience, but also Kundalini awakening all at the same time without any stimulants or drugs whatsoever. And it wasn't too long after that, that a friend took me to the Transcendental Meditation Center, where I had to wait nine months, but finally I learned uh, Transcendental Meditation, also known as TM. Uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was the founder of that. And I learned that and then ended up in India studying with him. So, um, yeah, I ended up being on his personal staff for six years and living in his various ashrams for over two decades. Wow. And then, then you, you, you then, got involved in yeah, New Thought, right? Sort of yes. towards New Thought. Then, yeah, then I met Dr. Peter Meyer, Peter and Ann Meyer, who founded Teaching of the Inner Christ. Mm. And um, they were very established in uh, religious science and also unity, but uh, especially religious science. So I learned treatment from them and I learned, um, well, unity calls it affirmative prayer. So I learned affirmative prayer. And in fact, one of my books teaches the method of affirmative prayer. It's called miracle prayer. And today you, you uh, as you told me before the show starts, you travel around a lot and um teaching the integration of these these ideas right that and of course you know as you scratch beneath the surface of any tradition you find commonalities at least i do you know i know some people like to look for differences but i always find commonalities i think there's a sort of a mystic mixed mystic core or a, a golden thread within everything right that ties it all together and i love Absolutely. the fact that you linked you know what jesus is saying and some of the teachings in the old testament um uh, to, to the chakras, basically, you know, the 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 Jacob's ladder is a good example, right, of the uh, angels ascending and descending there up, up the ladder, which is the uh, sort of a representation of the tree of life or the the, the ch chakra system as well. Absolutely, yeah. And I wrote a, another book called "Awaken Your Third Eye," which illustrates a, a lot of those um, ancient concepts. Uh, and uh, and also modern concepts tied together to show that the ancient uh, wisdom of, of the Far East uh, is really very parallel to the biblical scriptures. Right. You even tie it into, you know, Kabbalistic thinking as well, right? Absolutely. The tree of yes. life of the, of the 
Kabbalistic thinkers, and and which is a very uh, you know popular thing right right now in in the West. Um, a lot of people in you know have read books about this, but not so many have activated it and um, activated the the movement of the Kundalini, whatever. Or, or if they have, it's uh, yielded some strange results, you know, that maybe has frightened them in some way. And there is, there are dangers, isn't there? And you you list about four or fifth, forty or fifty dangers of, of, of re, you know, raising the Kundalini energy when you're not centered and and doing it in a in a safe way. Well, that's very true. Um, a lot of those dangers really have to do with. Um, misunderstandings when you have bizarre experiences that you've never had before it can be terrifying and right. that can actually end up in uh, some kind of a psychotic episode or breakdown as a result of not knowing what the heck you are experiencing because it's so terrifying um, but yes I, I do list many uh, bizarre what I say what I call bizarre Kundalini experiences and uh, but the reality is that Kundalini, when it rises up the spine, uh, which is Kundalini is simply a, a spiritual life force energy, a special life force energy that goes through a specific conduit of subtle energy called a Sushumna Nadi. And when it, when Kundalini rises up the spine, it can uh, give you strange, bizarre sensations. But uh, if you understand what that is, uh, simply those strange sensations usually come from blockages in, the, um, in that conduit that are creating those sensations. If you uh, had no sensations whatsoever, uh, when Kundalini rises up your spine, then you would just experience bliss consciousness if there were no blockages whatsoever. Right, and unfortunately, for various reasons, you know, and one of being we're, we're kind of out of touch with our bodies in the West. Um, you know, we're so much in our heads. Yeah, there, there are a lot of these blocks, right? Uh, I remember uh, attending a, a uh, Swami Muktananda ashram for a while back in the 70s, and, um, and we would meditate, and everybody, it seems, was twitching and, you know, having some kind of Kriya or or Kundalini energy happening to themselves. And it was also almost a mark of um, honor. You know, the more twitching, the, the greater the <laughs> meditation. <laughs> became a sort of a, you know, I can twitch better than you. And, uh, unfortunately, there's a little bit of that going on in any spiritual practice, right? We, we, we're not really doing it for the highest and best motives sometimes, you know? <laughs> Sounds like a bunch of Westerners. Practice. Yeah, right. <laughs> But another uh, thing that happened for me back then, too, was, uh, and this may be part of the, the Kriyas again, but I, I was meditating with my, with my wife, and, and we were sitting there looking at the altar, and all of a sudden I turned 90 degrees. You know, my, my head went to the side of my body, so I was looking out from the side. My physical body was still upright, but my sense of self, you know, my aura or whatever, had moved to the side. And, and it stayed there for a while, you know, and I started getting worried that it wasn't going to go back. And uh, But looking at it now, you know, I realized that that, that was the, some of the things, you you know, you talk about in the book, that we have various sheaths and, and uh, 
you know, energies around us, right? The astral body and, and the emotional body, the mental body. And you, you can sort of get outside of your, your physical being, right? It, it, doing these practices. Yeah, you are beside yourself. Uh, yeah. That can happen, yes, where we are sort of uh, out, outside our body, looking in. Our, the reality is we are multidimensional beings. We live on many different uh, planes of existence at the same time. And there are these subtle bodies as well as our gross physical body. So right. in India, they call it the panchakosha, the fivefold sheath. And the fivefold sheath consists of first the physical body, which is called the Anamaya Kosha, meaning the food sheath. And it's the food sheath because it's made of food, sustained by food, and it becomes food for something else after we're gone. So that is the physical body. And then we have the what we know as the Pranamaya Kosha, which is the vital energy body. Vital energy bodies uh, permeates, uh, fills, and surrounds the physical body. And that is where prana or life force energy flows. In India, they call it prana. In China, they call it chi. And in Japan, they call it ki. So this life force energy is what is giving you life. It's giving you motion. It's giving you heat. It keeps you alive. Uh, in the ancient Upanishads of India, the ancient scriptures, it is said that when prana is in the body, that is what is defined as life. And when prana leaves the body, that is what is defined as death. So prana, that pranic body, that's where uh, the life force energy is, the prana, and that is where the chakras are, uh, because the chakras are simply plexuses where many of these conduits of energy, also known as nadi in India, and in China they're called meridian, where many of these come together to form a plexus, there you have a chakra, and chakra simply means wheel. It's a wheel because it has a hub, a hub of pranic energy, and it has spokes of uh, pranic energy that radiate from that hub. So that is one of our uh, sheaths, our subtle sheaths. Uh, but like I said, there's five of them. Uh, the rest of them are the manamaya kosha, which is the mental body. And that's where your senses are, your senses of perception and your emotions are also in the mental body. And then you have the intellect and ego body, that's known as the Vigyanamaya Kosha. And then you have the causal body, which is known as the Anandamaya Kosha. So those are the five sheaths. And, um, and, and if you were to dissect a corpse, you would not find a chakra or a nadi or any subtle energy anywhere because it's in a different dimension and it is in your subtle body and not in your gross physical body. That's the reason why Western medicine doesn't give credence to uh, chakras or anything like that, because they can't see them, feel them, touch them. What's been encouraging, I think, in the last 30 years is that the, you know, when I first became a minister, like you said, the doctors didn't even want to know anything about these things, you know. Yes. But but now, the, the, I mean, I know allopathic medicine is, is still based on, you know, uh, the, the science of the body uh, more than anything else. But but then more and more physicians are open to energy healing or meditation or, or letting people uh, pray for the person, you know, before and, and during the, the surgery or whatever. 
And I remember when I first tried to say, well, I take these supplements, nobody was, no doctor was interested, you know. Now they're very careful to note down, you know, the various supplements you might take um, because they know it's all part of that holism. And that, and that encourages me a little bit. I have noticed the shift, you know, and it's, yes. not, it's not across the board, but I think mm -hmm. there is an opening, right? And there this is. is an opening to yoga on in every street corner now. You, you know, you mentioned in 66, you know, it was more of an esoteric thing. Um, now, now it's become a commodified to a degree. But even so, um, it's good, you know, because you, the, these these teachings are disseminated um, to, to everybody now that wants to be part of that, which is which is exciting. Well, uh, the Internet had a huge, uh, huge role in that, in bringing esoteric knowledge to the masses. Uh, way back in 1966, you know, you didn't find... There was no esoteric, there were two esoteric bookstores in the entire country, and there were no esoteric books in the bookstores. And now we, we find this huge proliferation of esoteric knowledge, metaphysical knowledge everywhere. And, um, you know, thank, thank the Lord for unity and religious science and new thought teachings that really promoted these ideas and brought the ancient wisdom to the West. Right, absolutely. Um, coming back to that out-of-body experience I had, um, you know, although I've always been a, a mystic ever since I was a child, it, w it was definite confirmation, you know, there's more going on here than just your physical sheath, you know, and the yeah. idea that I could uh, go from my body and still be me, or some aspect of me, some witness aspect of me, that was independent of my body, you know, that was a big breakthrough for me, and, you know, it helped me on my spiritual path. Probably similar to, you know, that immediate Kundalini rising that you experienced, you know, seemingly out of the blue. Um, you know, it's a shift, isn't it? It shifts us into another way of um, approaching our lives. And, and that can be very effective. You know, it's very interesting because uh, I'm sure that the listeners have heard about the near-death experience. And when people have a near-death experience, they often uh, see a light, they see a tunnel. Uh, they go into the light, but uh, often also they they are catapulted out of their body and they see their own body from maybe up, maybe they're up on the ceiling and they're looking down upon their body and they're watching uh, yes. the, uh, the, the medical professionals trying to resuscitate them and all of that. Well, what what are they seeing with? Certainly they're not seeing with their own eyes. The reality is that the manamaya kosha, which is the mental body, the mental emotional body, that's where your senses are. Your senses are not even in your physical body. They're in your subtle body. And that's the reason why in the near-death experience, people will see themselves lying. They'll see their own body lying there on the gurney or on the floor or where, wherever the body is. And the, those are the subtle senses. Those are your senses that are in your uh, mental body because your mental body has catapulted outside your physical body in other words now when I was five years old I, I'd moved from the countryside where I was living into the city and I got very worried because all I could see was these long streets of terraced houses you know with no greenery whatsoever and I remember being very frightened the first night because I loved the country oh. and nature and uh, in my in my sleep, uh, you know, I, I left my body and went up into the sky 
and looked down on the environment. And and now I realize I probably was having a, a some kind of an out-of-body experience. It wasn't just a dream. Um, and I was looking down, I could see the back gardens and how green they were. And I felt comforted and went back into my body again and, and everything was fine. But, I, you know, I, that, that was an interesting experience, you know, because I think yeah. I was... Um, concerned enough that I, I needed to go take a higher perspective on, on this. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was five years old, you know, but I yeah. just, it was just a spontaneous thing. <laughs> That's great. But looking back on it now, it seemed like that was interesting. You know, I don't think that was just a dream, you know. No, yeah. no. Many, type of, many times people do fly around outside their bodies during, uh, during sleep. It's very right. common. And right. anytime you have a flying dream, yeah, you really are flying. <laughs> yeah, your astral body is out there flying around. Pretty cool stuff, isn't it? It sure is, yeah. So, um, you know, some people might say, I don't know if I'm ready to raise my kundalini or open my chakras. Um, is it going to be too difficult? Um, or what's the purpose of it? How would you respond to that? Well, the reality is that pranic energy this life force energy when it is flowing more freely through your body when you have more of it and you're radiating more of it into your environment uh, then you are more attractive you're more charismatic you are more successful people with great brilliant uh, auras meaning they have a lot of pranic energy flowing through them those are the most attractive, most charismatic, and usually most successful people on the planet. And, and people want to be near them. They want to get close to them because they feel this life, vibrant life force energy that is exuding from them. So, I mean, wouldn't anybody want to become more attractive, more successful? And that's what prana does. Prana is, is very powerful. And it is life itself. Prana is in the air that we breathe. It is in the sunlight. It is in uh, food that has been fully masticated. That means fully chewed. And it is in water. So you can imbibe prana through these various elements that I just mentioned. Through swimming, bathing uh, in the water, through being out in the sunlight, and just the rays of the sun on your body through a deep breathing or uh, yogic exercises called pranayama, meaning, meaning breathing exercise, basically, uh, and um, through chewing your food till it's liquid. These are the ways that you can imbibe more prana into your system. Also, the most powerful way to imbibe prana is through meditation, because what meditation does is it it slows down the breathing, makes the breathing very subtle. And the subtlest prana uh, gets imbibed into the body when the breath is so subtle that it's imperceptible. And they call that suspension of breathing. You don't really suspend your breathing. It's just that the breathing becomes so subtle that it becomes imperceptible. And some people who have experienced deep meditation will know exactly what I'm talking about. Right, absolutely. And, and you're, you know, I know it's a cliche, you're in the flow, right? It's definitely you're in the flow. Everything is flowing up and down the spine, but also in your life through, 
respiratory activity and and the breath is flow too right so it, it, yes. it, there's no there's nothing hard Every, everything is fluid and um, flexible and goodness knows we need that in this world where everything seems so brittle and, and harsh and divisive you know that flow is the antidote to that it seems to me you know and to to be gentle with ourselves and and with people who differ from us right um i was in a nasty little discussion the other night and uh, i kept saying you know what's good about this is at least we're talking and acknowledging we have differences you know, and as long as we keep talking and, and acknowledging that, it's okay. I don't have to agree with you. You don't have to agree with me. But right. there's, a, there's, a high, there's a higher purpose here, you know, which is to stay civil, uh, to stay as part of the experiment here, the, the adventure of life, right, rather than get, um, you know, in, into, into camps where then it becomes very bitter. Uh, yes, right now there's a lot of divisiveness in our country. And, um, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not a healthy kind of atmosphere when people are uh, criticizing each other harshly and all of that. I mean, we don't need that. Right. We need to come together, especially during a time of crisis that we're in now with this pandemic. People need to uh, be compassionate with each other. Absolutely. Did you hear that, folks? To be compassionate, <laughs> first with yourself, I think it's important. You know, yes. give yourself a bath of love, and, and then begin to bathe others in that same love. Because we we need this healing right now, and and uh, this book, by the way, if you read this book, you're going to find numerous techniques of how to do just that. Uh, we need to go to the break, um, but I do want to mention that I'm a bit of a yana yogi yogi. Um, really ah. into the wisdom aspect of it. And I, oh. I, I copied the page 80 as a result because it lays out beautifully uh, the, the whole evolution of co the cosmos. Oh, yes. From uh, <laughs> Param, Param Shiva down to the, the elements. And yes. uh, I found that a fascinating, um, you know, it's the tattvas, right? And, uh, right. And, and uh, this is fascinating for me because I, I see it so clearly that this is the unfoldment of... Um, you know the the formless into form, and yes. uh, and what was interesting was the uh, the Maya tattva. You know, is quite high up the idea of the illusory play of forces in the in the universe. Um, so much of what we see is illusory. That doesn't mean it's not real, but but it's uh, it's it's not what we think it is. So it can be let go of. Um, we're at, we're at the break. Uh, let's let's maybe pursue some of those ideas in yes. part two. I'm with uh, Susan Shumsky uh, talking about a wonderful book, Chakras and the Chakra of he he and Chakra Healing. Join us after these messages from Unity. Glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. So welcome back to today's show. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, and I 
have Susan Shumsky with me. She's uh, talking about her wonderful book. It's called The Big Book of Chakras and Chakra Healing, How to Unlock Your Seven Energy Centers for Healing, Happiness, and Transformation. And as we mentioned in the first segment, there's a whole lot of uh, detail in this in this book, lots of charts, uh, lots of in-depth analysis of what the kundalini is, the chakras are, prana, various other Hindu um, foundational techniques. And, and you may say, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I'm ready to take on, on board all that detail. But I tell you what, it's presented in a way that's very accessible, very approachable. And uh, it's, it's a resource book. It's going straight into the research section of my, um, my bookshelves because it's one that I'm going to be pulling out every so often to, to study. And also there's many meditation uh, practices in the book. And if that's not enough for you, there's another book that Susan's uh, put out recently. It's called Third Eye Meditations, Awaken Your Mind, Spirit, and Intuition, which is uh, very accessible for Unity folks, too, because it's a blend, I would say, of uh, Hindu practices and, and Unity affirmation and, and medit uh, guided meditations. And I'd, I'd love us to look at one of those meditations towards the end of the show, um, because one of my favorite um, mantras of all time, uh, and she calls it, you, Susan, you call it the, uh, the, the doorway to ascension, right? It's the um, Mrityanjaya mantra. Ah. And maybe we'll have a couple of minutes at the end of the show to talk about, talk about that as a powerful mantra. Um, right. We, we were mentioning the tattvas, and I, I don't want to get into too great esoteric detail, but the you know to me the the flow from um, sort of the nothingness the 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 emptiness the potentiality into manifestation is interesting because it's happening in us at all times right it's not some esoteric thing that happened at the beginning of the universe or whatever it, it's moving in and through us right now right that's absolutely true and um, what we have is the absolute pure consciousness, uh, the eternal oneness, which you might call the singularity. In physics, they call it the singularity. In, in uh, India, they call it the bindu, the bindu point, which is the point from which everything springs. And that point has five different um, aspects to it. It's got eternity. It's got omnipresence. It's got, got completeness, um, omniscience, and omnipotence. Those are some of the qualities of that quality-less absolute. But that absolute, in order for manifestation to take place, in order for that oneness or that singularity to create the creation, uh, there is something called maya. And the word maya means to measure actually people define maya as illusion but in in reality maya just means to measure so how do you measure the absolute how do you measure something that is measureless so it's because of these five qualities of the absolute that you can measure the absolute uh, for example eternity when you measure eternity what you have is time what you get is time. When you measure omnipresence, something that is everywhere present in all, all over, everywhere, when you measure that, what you get is space. 
when you measure completeness or fullness or absolute fullness, what you get when you measure that is desire. And when you measure omniscience, which is all seeing, all knowing, when you measure that, what you get is knowledge. And when you measure omnipotence or all powerfulness, what you get is power. So these limited aspects uh, derive from measuring the absolute. And that's how time, space, desire, knowledge, and power come about. And that's how the universe gets created out of that which is measureless. I love it. And, and you know, they, everything's enfolded, isn't it? So you can move down through the process or you can move back, you know, up into it, which is the states of... Um, meditation and absorption and samadhi right where you go back to right. the um to the, the to the emptiness really to the to satchitananda to uh yes. um, being consciousness and bliss you know which is sort of the glorious trinity i love trinities because they seem to be in everything um and, yes. you know we talk about the metaphysical trinity in in new thought right but uh, trinities it seems are the building blocks of the universe and, and everything unfolds um Body, soul, spirit, etc. You know, thinker, thought, action, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And and they're they're lovely ways of looking at this. And there's lots of, lots of trinities in, in Hinduism as well. Absolutely, uh, you have the intellect, the individuation, and the mind. You have the sattva, rajas, and tamas, which are the three gunas. Um, yes, in, in fact, uh, trinities. You have Vishnu and Shiva, and um, uh, Brahma, the three uh, aspects that uh, end up being the three gunas. So yeah, there's a lot of trinities in the, uh, the in this philosophy known as Kashmiri Shaivism or um, uh, Sankhya philosophy. Right, and and of course everything you know is coming forth. So it's there's the creative aspect then the preserving aspect and then the seemingly destructive or dissolving aspect, right? But, exactly. the, but they're endlessly repeated, you know, we see them working on our lives. There's uh, there's moments where, you know, the creative faculties are, you know, at their peak and other times when, you know, the dissolving and the changing is a blessing because we, we need to let go and, and so on. So it, everything is part of that flow, um, the, these qualities within our own being. Um, I've, I've got a, um, an image on my desk that I love uh, of Saraswati, who's the uh, the consort of, of Brahma. And I've always been into Shiva and, and Durga and the, the, those diet deities. But recently, Saraswati's really spoken to me because she's the deity of learning and, and music and, and um, everything to do with um, the creative arts. And, and she particularly uh, is seen as in white. You know, there's a purity to her. And she rides just a white swan, which has always been a very important image for me. Um, mm -hmm. But it's interesting, isn't it, how the various aspects of divinity can move you at different times in your life, right? And and um, uh, and that and that's what the, one of the wonderful things about Hinduism. And, and you have this all attached to each chakra as well. There's various gods and goddesses or entities that are associated with the various chakras so uh, uh, chakra excuse me I fell, I fell into using that wrong term terminology it's not <laughs> chakras it's chakras folks 
And Susan tells us very sternly in the book, please do not call it sh chakra. It's a chakra. Uh, my my boo boo there. Uh, but but I, I love the the fact that there's something for everybody and something for every aspect of our, of our current situation in in this uh, system of philosophy. I, I like that idea. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, yes, uh, when my publisher told me to write a book about the chakras, which was way back in uh, 2000, I don't know what it was, uh, 2003 was when, when the first edition of this book came out, and at that time was called Exploring Chakras. And when my publisher asked me to write that book, what I did was I went back to the ancient scriptures of India to find the most authentic information I could find about the subject. Right. Um, at first, I was actually quite resistant to writing about the chakras. I wasn't really that interested in the topic. But then, huh. I, then I became very, very fascinated with it once I went back to the scriptures and I found, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is really, uh, the chakra system is really as above, so below. It's really uh, so cosmic and it's really about how this universe gets created and also how our individual uh our individual being gets created out of this singularity known as the Bindu. So I was just so fascinated by the whole thing. And uh, yes, in the ancient scriptures, it talks about these various deities that are associated with each of the chakras. And, and in fact, it goes through 14 chakras, uh, not just the seven major chakras that we all know about, there are the 14 chakras that are mentioned in the ancient scriptures of India. So I included all 14 in this book. And I have to say, this is a really, it's, this book is like an encyclopedia of the chakras. It is uh, everything you ever wanted to know about chakras and, and also everything you never wanted to know about chakras. It's all <laughs> in the book. And uh, many of the so-called chakra experts that are out there say that they use this book uh, as a reference book, that they send their most serious students who want to really learn about the chakras, they send them to my book, because I don't think you're going to find this information anywhere else unless you know how to find those ancient scriptures and how to interpret them. You have to know a little Sanskrit and so on in order to even understand the translations. So, right. yeah, so that's what I did. I did that work for you. And then I simplified it. I made it easy for anyone to understand by starting out in this book very simply, step by step by step, and getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the into the whole subject. Yeah, and like I said, it's going on my shelf as a resource book because, uh, like like you mentioned, it's uh, it has you know a lot of detail that other books might not have, and right. uh, which is a, a great resource. Can you take it all in at any given time? Probably not. There's a lot of uh, technical s subjects and words and Sanskrit terminology, whatever. But that's not the point. It's there as a resource. You know, when you want to uh, go into it a little more deeply and, and exactly figure out, well, what does that mean? It's all in there for you. But it's also, like we said, um, a, a guide to just allowing these... Um, these forces to intuitively speak to you. And I think this is important too. Um, and, you know, part of the book is going through the seven uh, main chakras and the, the, the seven other ones, right? Um, and we just don't have time to talk about each one right now. 
um, but but you guide us through. Is there something in our modern lives? Do you think we need to open of those chakras that that is crying out right now in our society? Well, you know, I think a lot of people are stuck in the base chakra, which is the survival chakra, right. and um, and they uh, they need to ground themselves and become more uh, more of who they really are, more of themselves, rather than uh, trying to be something that they're not. And it's really about simplicity and naturalness. And um, actually, I'm. I'm, I have another book coming out. Uh, it's coming out at the end of the year, and it's called Earth Energy Meditations. And that entire book is to help people to become more grounded and to become more uh, less of a psychic sponge. In other words, less influenced by external energies. Uh, right now, there's so much fear in the atmosphere. There's so much negative energies in the atmosphere and I think people need to learn how to close off their aura and how to become more, uh, have more self-authority and, uh, and to be less influenced by the energies around them. So I think that book, Earth Energy Meditations, is really going to help people to do that. Mm, very good. Yeah, and we mentioned trinities earlier, and of course the Kundalini has its own trinity, doesn't it? It's got the main channel and then these two um spiraling forces that look extraordinarily like the caduceus of uh of greek uh, mythology or whatever and, and used in modern day by uh the the medical profession um yeah it, it's fascinating to see the correlations but uh again yeah. we talk about the the forces of, of yin and yang right which surround the center or um Shashumna, or whatever that you talked about earlier, and, right. and so these, this is it's another trinity of, of forces working together in our being. Uh, exactly, uh, that caduceus. What it does is it symbolizes the uh, three major nadi, three major conduits of subtle energy that are flowing through your subtle body. There is uh, the main one, which is called Sushumna Nadi, which is going through the median, going through your spine all the way from the from the base of the spine to the to the um, up to the head, and uh, up to the top of the head is Sushumna Nadi. And then there's two other Nadi, two other conduits of energy. One is called Ida, and the other is called Pingala. And these represent the female and the male energies within your body. And in fact, they end up, the Ida Nadi, which is the female force, ends up in your left, the left nostril. And the Pingala force ends up in your, in your right nostril. And these are regulating your auto, autonomic nervous system. They are regulating uh, the sympathetic and parasympathetic aspects of your autonomic system. So uh, Western medicine doesn't know this, but Eastern medicine knows that every 110 minutes, the nostrils uh, switch. In other words, you have more air flowing through one nostril than the other nostril at any given time. And in every 110 minutes, that switches. It switches from one to the other. This is just the flow of life force energy 
naturally throughout the day, it switches from one to the other. And uh, the uh, Ida Nadi is, uh, regulates the parasympathetic and the Pingala Nadi uh, regulates the sympathetic. So the right nostril, if it's flowing more through the right nostril, the air flowing more through, more clearly and easily flowing through the right nostril, that means that you are more outer directed. Uh, it's the fight or flight response. It's a, it is um, more energy flowing towards the limbs and so on. That's the sympathetic response. And then the left nostril, which is the parasympathetic, that has to do with digestion, calmness. Uh, that's the female energy and uh, homeostasis, and that is uh, the left nostril. When it's flowing more through that nostril, you're going to be more calm and peaceful. So that's the reason why people, uh, for example, toss and turn during the night, because then these pranic energies are flowing more through one nostril or the other. So if you do uh, a method of breathing called pranayama, if you do a specific pranayama called alternate nostril breathing, you will calm the entire system down by evening out this flow, these flows of pranic energy. So um, that's something that is taught in my books, a big book of chakras, along with tons of other exercises that are ancient yogic practices that are taught in this book, including abandhas, pranayama, uh, various exercises, mudras, things that you can do to help awaken kundalini and also to balance these energies of male and female within your body. Wonderful stuff. Fascinating book, and um, I'm sure people will want to get hold of it. Um, to bring the show to a close, though, let's talk about the, uh, the, the great death-conquering mantra that you, you talk about in another of your books, the... Uh, the Third Eye Meditations book, and, and you write this, you say the Maha Mrityundhyaya Mantra, also known as the Triambakam Mantra, is chanted by millions of Hindus throughout the world. It's a divine armor that can protect you from harm, illness, and untimely death. And, and that's very apropos right now um, in, in our current world. Um, but I'd like to read the translation that uh, you provide for it, and then maybe you can talk about it, maybe even chant the, um, the yeah. mantra. Um, yeah. It says, Om, I worship and adore you, O three-eyed one, O Shiva. There's the Trinity again, uh, the all-seeing eye uh, of Shiva, who is just the representation of this, this absolute um, beingness. Um, you are sweet gladness, the fragrance of life. You nourish me, restore my health, and cause me to thrive. As in due time, the stem of the cucumber weakens and falls from the vine. So liberate me from bondage, attachment and death, and do not withhold immortality. And I love that image. It's such a down-to-earth, ordinary thing, <laughs> you know, a cucumber in the garden. Yeah. Um, but it's being severed, isn't it, from its uh, stem and yeah. freed. And just as we are you know, freed from the bondage of illusion and, and uh, conditions in, back into this, this fragrance of our, of our true spiritual self. I, I love that. So yeah, you want to? Uh, I love read it, it too. Read it in the uh, in the Sanskrit. Yes, I will. I'll chant it. But I just want to say that it took me a while to to make that translation, 
because yes. what I did is I read, you know, each word, what each word means. And then um, it has been translated here and there, but this translation I created, and I think it's, it really evokes that feeling of, of, uh, of liberation. Absolutely. It's a beautiful yeah. translation. So um, I'll just chant the mantra. Om Trambakam Yajamahe Sugandim Pushti Vardhanam Urvarukam Ivabandhanan Murtyor Mukshiyam Amritat Om Trambakam Yajamahe Sugandim Pushti Vardhanam Urvarukamiva Bandanan Murachor Mukshiam Amritat Om Triambakam Yajamahe Sugandim Pushti Vardanam Urvarukamiva Bandanam Murachor Mukshiam Amritat Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that and the Gayatri mantra is probably the most uh, chanted of the two mantras in yes. in, in India. And uh, just a very powerful. Uh, I'm attached to an ashram in Wales. And uh, that that mantra is, is chanted, you know, it's at least twice in the service. And and always like like you did it three times in a row. But uh yeah, very powerful mantra, and I, I just love the translation too. For if you're not quite ready for the Sanskrit, um, just the, the beautiful idea of being nourished with this fragrance, uh, the beauty of the the spirit within you, you know, that has the power to to release you from all kinds of hurt and bondage, and even the oppression of death. Because we are we who we are in truth was never was never born. Uh, and it can never die, and and that's a reminder of uh, of our immortality here, of that beauty that we are. So thank thank you for chanting that. Um, if people want to get hold of you, uh, you've got a website, right? Um, yes. Tell us about that. Okay. Well, I have a couple of websites. One is drsusan.org. That's drsusan.org. And uh, that website is huge. It's got so much information. It's got links to a gazillion radio and <laughs> interviews and, and, and embedded tons of videos on it. Uh, and also, I have another website, which is divinetravels.com. That's D-I-V-I-N-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-S.com. That's plural on the travels, divinetravels.com. And when we can all travel again, uh, we have upcoming in 2021 uh, several holistic seminars at sea with amazing speakers and, um, and going to fantastic destinations. So check, check out divinetravels.com. Also, there's some land tours as well. Wonderful. So, yeah, right. check that out. Susan, I'm going to invite you to give us three words um, to, to take with us into the week. Uh, so, because we, we're talking about Trinity, so we're going to do three words. Uh, before we get to that, though, I'm going to tell folks about next week's show. 
give you a chance to allow the three words to come forth for us. Um, so next week, uh, firefighter, EMT and columnist Hirsch Wilson joins me to talk about his new book. It's called Firefighter Zen, a field guide to thriving in tough times, which is eminently relevant at this moment in time. We're in the middle of September and we're dealing with the cataclysmic fires on the West Coast, uh, still dealing with COVID-19 and other stresses filling our lives. So Firefighter Zen, I think that may help us in some way, just as this show today, I hope, has helped you and, and inspired you to, to find out more about the chakras. Um, but now, um, Susan, if you just give us three words that you think would help us as we go into our week. Well, the three words that popped up for me are love, peace, and joy. And really, those equate with sat, chit, ananda, when you think about it. So love, peace, and joy, and sat, chit, ananda, which is absolute bliss, consciousness. Right. Thank you so much. Yeah, very, very good. And... Uh, these are not just nice ideas or qualities, folks. These, these are actual living presences within your own being, right? And, um, and, and we are love. We are peace. We are joy. We are that being uh, consciousness bliss that, that is the essence of uh, the universe, actually. And everything is singing praises to, to the Lord, which is indwelling within our own hearts. So uh, we affirm that. I want to thank you so much, Susan, for being on the show today. What a wonderful show. Well, thank you so much, Reverend Paul. I really, really loved speaking with you today. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you next week. Stay safe. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 